Welcome back to Renaissance Online Radio. It's been a long time since I've had time to sit down and record a podcast. Right now, I'm sitting on a rock at the last campsite of my first trip into the Boundary Waters Canoe area in northern Minnesota. It's an area that I've always wanted to visit, but this is the first time that I've had the chance and the time and the motivation to all at once. Some friends wanted to come up, and so we jumped in the plane and came up, and I'm getting ready to spend the third night of three that we've enjoyed on a relatively short visit. We came up and portaged in on Monday. Today is Wednesday, so we portaged in on Monday and canoed from the portage, or from from our uh, put-in, through about halfway through the first big lake, and we spent two nights there. Um, It was really good. It was a good time to get away for me. I find what I do for a living to be emotionally taxing, and while I'm not uh, unhappy that I do it, uh, some downtime is very helpful. So, came up. We came up uh, just to experience, and I can assure you, I plan to come back. I look forward to bringing my family next time and watching the looks of amazement on my girls' faces as they see this this beautiful space. In this area, it is not legal to fly an airplane below four thousand feet. In this area, it is illegal to operate a gasoline engine, and no one can live permanently in this area. So it makes for a a true wilderness. There's no uh, prolonged stays, and no one can be part of a group that is larger than nine individuals. So that makes the population back here limited. There's also a limit on how many people can get permits at a given time. So you always have options for campsites. The campsites are established at various points along the perimeter of each lake, and those are marked on a map. And it's first come, first served, each one. The campsites have uh, permanent latrines, and they have permanent uh, fire grates. And so it makes for a makes for a nice, remote, peaceful space. When I was young, I read books written by the writer Sam Campbell. He was a naturalist whose work was primarily in and around the 1940s. That seems to be the time from which most of his writing comes. And one of his books was called Moose Country. Now, understand, he already lived in the North Woods. He lived on on an island in the middle of a small lake in northern Wisconsin. But he made a particular trip with his wife and some other people to the Boundary Waters, where he chronicles the experience. And that... That book, that um, 
that adventure that he described always uh, sparked my imagination. And ever since I read it, I imagined coming here. In a way, it's been a journey back into the time of when I was reading those books, and in a way, it's a journey back to the time when he was writing those books. And uh, it's been delightful. We have not seen large game on this trip. Moose is around, but we haven't seen any moose, nor have we seen bear. We have seen um, a pair, a mating pair of bald eagles and one of their young, and fairly close. Um, and other eagles. We've seen loons, although they've not been very talkative on this trip. I've only heard a, a loon call one time. Um, we've also seen ducks that at first glance looked like loons uh, in both their head shape and in the way they dove as a pack, but they quacked. So I'm going to go home and do my research and see what kind of duck has a brown head and looks like a loon. But uh, that will be after we return to civilization. One can't help but think back to a time before GPS, before radios, before down, well not before down, but before synthetic fibers um, and lightweight camping gear, to a time when birch bark canoes were used uh, by the early explorers to get into this area, and this was a popular area to trap for furs. It's near the Canadian border, and a lot of the first people, uh, first Westerners to come to this area were Frenchmen. Uh, the the voyageurs, or however they would say that, it looks like voyagers uh, in spelling. This area seems to be minimally touched by humans, even today. There are no signs at all. I have not seen a sign since we left uh, the drop-off point uh, where we started walking with our canoes. Uh, no marks whatsoever. The only marks that we've seen are the um, campsite latrines uh, with a number on them and the uh, grates for the, uh, for the campfires. There's a U.S. Forest Service on them. Other than that, this place is still, I'm not sure that I'd use the term pristine, but it's close. From where I'm sitting right here, I see multiple islands, each with cedar trees or pine trees or fir trees on them, and grasses growing around them. In front of me there are grasses, and interspersed with the grasses are lily pads just like what we have in ponds back home, but these are growing wild. I hear that they are popular to be eaten by moose. The geology here is something I'm looking forward to going back and talking to friends about. Uh, it appears to be a mix of volcanic rock and a whole lot of stuff being pushed around. I'm forced to assume glacial movement but the rock face itself is often pockmarked like 
like pumice stone, like stone that comes from a volcano. So I'm very curious as to what the geological history of this area actually is understood to be. There's a lot of marsh around the edges. This water does not move fast, except uh, in the passages between lakes. The gentleman that I am here with are enjoying fishing. Fishing has never been something that I was deeply into, although I have enjoyed some fishing in my life. I will say that the fish here are rather interesting. There's pike and uh, walleye, and that seems to be the most popular fish that uh, are being caught. Um, it's a pretty pretty reasonably sized fish also. We've seen, uh, from what they've caught, up to 30 inches um, of pike. Uh, there was a head of a pike that we found that was a good 6 to 8 inches across, but it was just the head. Something had enjoyed eating it a while back. The teeth on those fish are remarkable. Up here, birch is the most common non-conifer non tree. And it litters the area kind of like uh, paper being dropped. And when you, when you first see it, it looks like somebody's gone through and dropped paper until you look more closely, and it's, it's the thin layers of birch bark. They are not managed much at all, and so there's quite a bit of dead uh, wood, uh, deadfall, in, the, in these woods. Under the deadfall and around the deadfall is some of the most lush moss that I've ever seen. Um, walking around, it's like walking on a plush carpet in many places. The, there are rocks that are, you know, house-sized rocks that are just set different places, which that's probably that glacier activity that I was referring to earlier. I have seen beaver. Uh, no, I have seen evidence of beaver. I've not actually seen any beaver, but I've seen a beaver dam. Not a, not a dam, excuse me. I have seen a beaver lodge. And I've seen trees that have been chewed down by beaver. But I have not actually seen any working on this trip. One of the concerns that we had was that there would be a lot of mosquitoes and biting flies but I've been bitten maybe twice in the two, uh, almost three days that I've been here so far. So the, the can of bug spray has remained mostly unused, which suits me just fine. The canoes that we are using are Kevlar canoes. They're very light until you've had them on your shoulders for a while, and then they're no longer light. But in the water, they they are fairly unstable direction-wise, but once you master keeping them more or less straight, they, they move fairly quickly. Um, they're very smooth bottom. There's no keel, and so they don't, they don't uh, track easily like a normal lake canoe might. But nevertheless, it is a nice... Uh, nice way to get around uh, without feeling like you're disturbing anything around you. There are camp robbers out here. 
They go by chipmunks anywhere else, but around here I think that uh, the safest way to describe them is, is, is camp robbers. I've had them since we've been at this camp uh, get into my granola and get into the trash. And that's with me standing right there. They just come up and jump right in. And uh, they're plenty cute, especially when they're walking away with two cheeks full of granola or a piece of dried pineapple, which is what I saw just a few minutes ago. Just saucy as they can be. They don't even stop to say thanks. They just take off and and uh, they're storing up for winter. I think they're going to have a have a pretty good supply of food for their winter if they continue to do what they've been doing. We we have our food hung between two trees, and I've come to the conclusion that the the argument that uh, that's for bear is actually that that's for chipmunks and mice. Um, although they are capable of going down the lines. They've got a no-to, and I haven't seen them doing that. The water here is not colorless. It is actually tea-colored, which surprised me. I didn't realize that this water was going to be like the water that I experienced when I was in Guyana, South America, but it's the same color. And that color goes right through the filter. So even though... In theory, the bacteria and viruses are filtered out. The color is not, and so it's kind of an odd feeling to put to your lips a bottle of uh, brownish-colored water, and it being water and uh, being otherwise untreated. But so far, the GI tract has not rebelled. Now, one thing to point out if you are interested in doing a trip like this is that the outfitters... Uh, you can you can buy the full package, so you can fly in. You do not have to own um, much of anything in order to do a package like this. The package for me, including pickup from the airport and um, rental of camping equipment, canoe, uh, portage packs, and provision of all food and cooking cooking equipment, utensils. Um, the total came up to just over $400 for three nights and parts of four days. And that includes lodging the night before um, in the, in the um, I don't know what they call it, guest house, bunkhouse, that's it, in the bunkhouse that the um, outfitter provides. So if you wanted to do a trip like this, I mean, you just have to get here and have, you know, 400 and some dollars, and you too go out and enjoy one of the few relatively untouched areas left in our country. With that, I'm going to go ahead and draw this to a close. Uh, I know this has been a a not-my-normal podcast, but I just wanted to share with you some of the beauty, some of the peace that I've found here in the Boundary Waters Uh, National Preserve, I think they call it. Uh, It's the Boundary Waters uh, Canoe Area. 